Our students have had a good long weekend. Talking about facts, don't tell them this, but this shirt looks like from when I was in middle school. I just want y'all to know that. It's the same colors and everything. I was like, I think I've been this disciple now before in seventh grade. Um, so they've been talking about facts and what are some of the facts of Scripture. And we're going to talk about one more fact today as we start a new sermon series called The Power of Love. And the fact that we're going to talk about today is found in the passage we're going to read. And, and John utters these words that have been repeated over and over, and that is, God is love. And that's a fact. God is love. And that's something that we need to let sink into our heart. But let's just be honest for a minute. Love, that word love, is one of the most underused and overused words all at the same time, right? Isn't it? Because, you know, we can say something like, I love tacos, and we're like, duh, who doesn't, right? And then you have to express that, you know, I, I love you to someone, but yet we're saying the same word, and sometimes we overuse it on things that aren't really that important, and, and sometimes we underuse it on things that are really important. And it's a struggle sometimes to figure it out because of what we've experienced in life and what we've gone through and all the things that get attached to this word. Sometimes it makes it very, very difficult to just figure out what is all of this about and, and, and how am I supposed to love and receive love. And you just need to let all this sink in today. That every time you're going to see, by the way, we're going to read five verses. And in those five verses, you're going to see the word love 13 times. And here's, let me just tell you what's happening in your head and what's happening in my head when we read that. Every time I'm going to say the word love as we read this, you're taking all of your experiences, all of the things that have happened in life, maybe bad things that have happened with that, good things that have happened with that, and you're bundling that all together. And every time I say that word, you're seeing it right there. But what John is talking about is something that actually looks different than what we see here in our interactions and what we experience on our own without God. And so that's why sometimes it's a struggle for us to distinguish the difference between I love tacos and I love you. Because sometimes we don't see that there's a difference in this and we don't experience that there's a difference in that. But let's look at this passage. It's in 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 7. Here, here's what John writes. He says, Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because, and here's this phrase, because God is love. And that's your fact. God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we must also love one another. And in verse 12, he says, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us and his love is made complete in us. So, so here's the underlying truth, this the foundational statement that John's saying right up front is that true love comes from God. 
True love comes from God. All these other things that you may have experienced in the world that are packaged around this word love, you have to figure out whether those are the things that come from God or not. But true love comes from God. That's why he writes, dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. John has been writing this book and he's been, now you got to understand that when John's writing, he's writing this book to those who are in the church and those who are in the church who are striving to follow Christ at this particular time, they're struggling with some things because people are teaching things that they don't know if they're supposed to follow these things. There's some people who are kind of trying to lead people astray. And so that's John's audience. And so when he writes some of these things, you have to remember who he's talking to. But he's writing these things to let people understand true love comes from God. And if anybody's preaching, teaching, or exemplifying anything that's any different, then that's not from God. And the reason he's saying that is because people are trying to figure out, who do I listen to and who do I follow? And isn't that something we all struggle with in life? We're trying to decipher who are the people in life that I'm supposed to listen to? Who are the people in life that, I'm, that I can trust, that I can, that I can rely on, that are truly going to be there for me? How am I supposed to follow these people? And so when people start teaching and saying different things, and really what happens in our culture when they take this word love and they start attaching it to a lot of different things, it's hard for us sometimes to figure out, well, what are they really talking about when they're talking about love? And so John writes, true love comes from God. And that's why he says, dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. And so when we are wrestling with this, we need to remember that true love comes from God. And John's making an overall point here as well. You can put this in your blank. What he's trying to get across is that following Jesus and loving others are inseparable. You can't take the two and separate. And what he's saying is that if you, if you are a person who says that I believe in God, I've asked him into my heart, I'm a Christian, I'm trying to follow him, however you want to package that phrase. What John is saying is that if you are following Jesus, then it should be evidenced in your life because we, be, we should be able to see that you're loving others. The inverse of that, John also implies all throughout his letter. If you're not loving others, you should search your heart to, under, to, to try to figure out, are you truly following God? Or are you following somebody's false idea of God? Or are you following somebody else's explanation of God? Because he says, God is love. And if you are a follower of Christ, then you will love other people. God's nature is love. This is in your notes already for you. You didn't have to write it all down. God's nature is love. And as a follower of Jesus and a child of God, I'm going to become like him. Now, if you think that's complicated, just think about this. You become like whoever you follow, correct? I mean, you can, you can take Christianity and the Bible and everything and set that aside for a minute. Let's just have a logical conversation. You become like who you follow, right? If, if I say that I want to get better at something and I start listening to somebody's teaching and I start taking their advice and I start doing things, I am doing what? I'm becoming more like that person. I'm taking on their qualities. I'm doing these things. This is what John is saying is if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you're doing the things that he's asking you to do, then you are becoming like him. And so, therefore, the fact that I love others is evidence that I'm truly following God. Because John's saying following God and loving others is inseparable. So if you are truly loving others, it is one of the ways that you can prove to yourself 
That's the key word. You're not trying to prove it to anybody else, but you prove to yourself that I'm truly following God, that he's making changes in my life. So oftentimes when I get up here and talk, I, I like to give real practical illustrations, and sometimes I, I talk about my failures, but since you've already seen me try to crawl out of a foam pit today, I don't have to talk about any more of my failures or reminders that my knees hurt today after going to a trampoline park yesterday. But I do want to tell you something that, that I can just be honest with that hopefully would be an encouragement to you. I, I, I can tell you, I can stand in front of you today and I can tell you that God's love is real because I look at 48-year-old Lindell and I compare him to 25-year-old Lindell and I compare him to 15-year-old Lindell and I can tell you that there's been heart change along the way because my capacity to love other people has grown not because I've become older and wiser and better but because God has been changing my heart since I've been trying to follow him. Because, man, I'm just telling you what, 25-year-old Lindell, he was, things were cut and dry. And if you didn't think like me, act like me, talk like me, then I'd be willing to tell you why you were wrong about everything. And uh, I forgot why all that was, so now I have to admit that I don't know everything anymore. And sometimes I just want to meet people and love on them. And I promise you, that comes from God, doesn't come from me. Because I'll also tell you that at times I'm, some, I'm one of the most unlovable people on the planet. And I bet some of you feel that way as well. But yet, sometimes we just want to turn it around and talk about how unlovable everybody else is. And we don't really sometimes look at the fact that, man, we're, we're, we're hard to love as well. You see, that's why I say that sometimes this is the most complicated word to talk about because it, get atta it gets attached to so many things. And we've had so much life experience and so many things that we've dealt with with this. Let's just be honest. There's not a person sitting in this place that hasn't had some sort of wound from somebody that loves them or said that they loved them. And so when we see that we're supposed to love other people and we immediately in our mind go to that experience, we go, I'm out. I'm not going to do that again. Some of us are hurt in such a way that we just go, I'm just going to live the rest of my life saying I don't need anybody else but me because anytime I try to love on other people, it just ends up me being hurt all the time. And so we just go, I'm just going to go away from this. Let me just tell you something. That's not godly love at work in your life. That's worldly love. There's limitations on these things. Let me explain it this way. Godless love always falls short. Godless love always falls short, meaning this, that if, if you are trying to love in a way that doesn't have Christ at the center of it, it's always going to fall short. Because I'm an imperfect person, and I'm trying to love imperfect people. And if we don't have God in this equation, then there's going to be something missing all the time. And some of us have experienced this in our personal relationships and relationships with friends or family or former friends and family, however you want to word that. And so when we start talking about God's love, a lot of us, instead of feeling loved and connected, we feel guilty and left out and out in the cold. That's, that's the world talking to you, Okay. So you need to learn to let that go. And you need to understand that what John is saying is that there is a love that comes from God that can meet you and fill your heart in such a way that you feel that you have everything that you need, that even at those times when you feel like I've got nothing to give to anybody else, that you actually can love other people because you are so loved by God that you are able to give to other people even when you think that they're going to drain you dry. That's the type of love that God's talking about. God's nature is love. As a follower of Christ and a child of God, I can become like him. Therefore, how I love others is evidence that God is living in me. Godless love falls short 
So logic would tell us, right? Logic would tell us that the better I take care of myself, that the more than I would have to give to others, right? Wouldn't that, wouldn't that seem right? But this is one of those truths from God that I will tell you makes no logical sense, but makes perfect spiritual sense. And, and this is what it is. God says the more that you give to me and the more that you love me, you will find then that you have more to share with other people. Now that doesn't make logical sense. If you in your human mind try to sit down and write this out on a sheet of paper and go, this will make perfect sense. If I give it all to God, then I'll be able to give it all to, wait a minute, I only have one all. So if I give it all to God, I've got nothing to give over. Wait a minute, how's this supposed to work? You'll never figure it out. And there's a, there's a phrase we've come up with, I've shared it with our Explorers Bible study this week. Just let this sink in. Human logic has no formula to account for the power of God. So that's why when we try to figure this stuff out, you're never going to be able to figure it out. Because you can't plug God into the equation and go, oh, that's how that's going to work. Because we always go, if I give my all to God, I have nothing left to give. It would make sense that I need to keep it all for myself and take care of self and do all these things for myself so that I can maybe share a little bit of it with somebody else. But what God's for me to love is love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You'll get everything you need from me. You'll get more than everything you need. You'll get so much from me that you'll have leftovers that you're sharing in abundance with everybody else. But if you try to do it on your own, you're never going to get there. And so that's what you need to understand. You see, there's reasons that we don't see miracles in our life. The reason we don't see miracles is when we live within our own power. When we only live within our own power, we're never going to see a miracle happen. But when we say, God, okay, I see what your word says. I see what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to go ahead and trust you in this. I'm going to give you my all and see if I have anything left to give to other people. Then it becomes a miracle because you begin to find out, oh, my goodness, I get more from him than I could have ever imagined. And I have so much to give to other people now because I've given it all to God. That sentence doesn't even make sense. Can I just tell you? I'm a pastor standing up here going, do you hear the words that are coming out of your mouth? I mean, it's just like the sentence doesn't make sense to us in our head, but I promise you it's exactly the way God wants us to live. Give it all to him so that we have it all to give away. Because God is a creator God and he can multiply things, even love, in our life so much to the point that we have so much of it that we can't keep it all. We have to give it away. Paul writes about this in probably one of the most read passages about love, one of the most famous, if you will, passages in Scripture about love, 1 Corinthians 13. He says, if I speak in human or angelic tongues, but I do not have love, I'm just a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains, but I do not have love, I'm nothing. And if I give away all my possessions, and if I give over my body in order to boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Now let me stop right there and just tell you what Paul's saying. He's saying if I'm, good, if I'm full of good moral activity, but I lack a loving relationship with God, I'm gaining nothing. All these things I can do on my own power, and if I just continue to do all the things that I can do on my own power, all I get is what I can do. 
and I never get the power of God and the power of God's love in my life to be able to distribute and live through me. And look, it's embarrassing to all of us because we've all failed on it. And so we can all look back and go, man, I wish I'd have known that about, you know, 48 years ago. It just, but the, the great thing about God's love is he says, okay, so start today. So start now. Do this now. Trust me now and see what will happen from now forward. You know, that's how God can work. He goes on to say love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy is not boastful, is not arrogant, is not rude, is not self-seeking, is not irritable, does not keep a record of wrong. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. God is love, love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will come to an end. When the perfect comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put aside childish things. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully as I am fully known. These three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. That's why John writes, God is, God's love was revealed among us in this way, that God sent his one and only Son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. You see, we only think of love as it relates to us and other people or experiences or things that we've been through, we have no idea how to comprehend the power of love that comes from a loving God that created us. We honestly can't, and that's where we have to have faith that steps in. And so when John is describing God's love, and we're thinking about it in the terms of our love, that's where we get, I love tacos and I love you. And we're saying the same word, but we're meaning totally different things. Let me just ask you a question. How many of you have a hobby or something you like to do, sport, anything? What you, what you got, Joshua? What's something? Track. Okay, is there somebody that you know of, like pole vaulting, right? That's what you do. And, and I don't know any pole vaulter in the world, so you can make up a name. But is there like a pole vaulter out there that you would go, wow, that's an awesome, awesome pole vaulter? All right, they're figuring it out up here. All right, anybody in the back? got a hobby or something like that, something you, you do? Like, what you got, Preston? Parson? All right, baseball. All right, do you have, like, a baseball player that you think of? They're like, this, this guy's pretty awesome. Hunter Pence, okay, that's good. So, like, I like golf. We're, we're done, Asa, with that. But thanks. So, that's all right. So, like, I like golf, okay? And, and a lot of you guys know I like golf. So, if I were able to go play golf, let's just say, with Jordan Spieth, one day. Now that, first of all, that'd be awesome, okay? But second of all, here, here's what you need to understand. People would say, Lindell, what happened today? Well, I got to play golf 
with Jordan Spieth. Yes, you both played golf. Yes, we both played golf. But what he did and what I did would be two totally different things. Can we understand that? You know? I mean, and what Hunter Pence is able to do and what you're able to do, even though you're both playing baseball, they're two totally different things right now, aren't they? He's a little bit better than that. And so when we sit here and we say, well, we're supposed to love and we compare it to ourselves and we compare God, we need to understand. We're talking about two totally different things. And so understand and own the fact that worldly love and godless love has wounded us all. But the love of God will never fall short. And that's why John says God is love. It is in his nature to be love. We are created. Think about this. We are created by God in such a way that we are wired to need love. We need to be loved and we need to love others. We're, it's, it's the way that we're wired. And then you take that and you realize that the person that created us, God, is love. Now put two and two together. God created us to know him have a loving relationship with him and to find everything we need in life through him. We're created by God to experience life to the fullest. And it's when we're loved to the fullest by him that the greatest love in our life is experienced. It comes from the one who is love. Now we just got through Valentine's Day, right? With all kinds of pink and red and hearts and cupids and all that kind of stuff that's out there. And we could spend a lot of time trying to say, let's think of some words that describe love. And there's a lot of things out there that would describe love. But I want to talk to you and distinguish, if, if I can, just a little bit of a difference between the love that we comprehend sometime and God's love. I want to give you two words to think about. And God's love is so much more than these two words. But I just want to give you two words to think about as it pertains to God's love. The first one is this. God's love is supernatural. God's love is supernatural. Now, what do I mean by God's love is supernatural? Well, what's something that's supernatural? Supernatural is this. God's love goes beyond the ability and the capacity of any human. God's love is beyond us. It is supernatural. You will never be loved by any person more than you are loved by God. You will never be loved by anyone in a better way than you are loved by God. Here's the truth. God's love is supernatural to the point that honestly we don't understand it because it is supernatural. We don't have the ability to comprehend the fullness and the greatness of God's love. Where we generally understand love is when we see it fall short. You see, and let me think about it this way, the more that we seek to find perfect love through any person or relationship or thing in this world, the more frustrated we become when it comes to the things of love. Because we realize that there's no person that's ever going to complete everything about any other person. And you're talking to someone who's been married for 30 years. And my prayer every day is that Julie loves God more than she loves me because he can do things that I will never be able to do. And if she's looking to me 
to fill those things, then the love that she may have for me is going to quickly turn into frustration, and she's going to easily be able to look at me and go, well, that's where you fall short, and this is how you make me feel, and that's why this is, and all of those would be true statements, because I am not God. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, there we go. But God is love. And when you have two people in a relationship and they are both seeking God first and then they are able to love each other out of the overflow, that's how a relationship is supposed to work. You see, in our world, we have people who are trying to balance it. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do all this over here. I'm going to put a little bit of God in here and then I'm going to do this over here. And, there. and it's like, no, you give it all to God and he takes care of the rest. Makes no logical sense, but it's exactly how we're supposed to live our life. And when we do that, the more that we will experience the life that God wants for us. You see, the more that we find that love from a genuine and sincere relationship with God, the more able we become to love everyone in our life, and the more we find life. Can we just have a real moment? It's broken. We've all broken it. We've all fall short. Some of you are immediately thinking about situations that you're in, relationships that have been, could have been, all that type of stuff. Sometimes you can't go back, but you can always go forward. So as I talk about this, I'm not talking about this to make you feel guilty. I'm talking about this to give you hope. That God's love never falls short, even though you may experience it over and over in your life in a way that does. If you will trust him today from this day forward and just give your all to him, he will show you love that goes beyond anything else because it's supernatural. It's something you can't do without him. And the other word I would talk to you about God's love is this. God's love is not only supernatural. God's love is sacrificial. God's love is sacrificial. God's love is constantly putting you and me first, even though he's worthy of everything. God's love is sacrificial. That's why John writes these words. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Love consists in this. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. So here's another thing that might not make sense in your life and and where the state of your heart is right now and the state of your emotions. But... God says if you want to find life, you put others before yourself. And when you give love away, even when it's undeserved, you will always have love because God is love. And when you are giving it away to other people, God will refill you with all that you need so that you can keep distributing and all that because the nature of God is love. He created you to love and to be loved. And when you're getting that from him, you have plenty for everybody else. So it's sacrificial. We shouldn't think about, we shouldn't only think about love in the capacity that God loves me so much. He does. But we should think about it in the way of God loves me so much that I have everything I need to love others. Don't stop the sentence that just God loves me. That becomes a self-centered and a self-serving love. But the true life that God wants you to have is to take the things that he's given to you and be Jesus to somebody else in a tangible way. Did you notice that in verse 12 in this, just randomly in the middle of all this talk about love, 
John puts these words, no one has ever seen God. It's like, thanks, John. Thought we were talking about love. You know, there's lots of comments about this, but, but one that really rang true for me this week as I was studying this is somebody said, you know, one of the reasons that John put those words there was to just remind people that no one may have ever seen God, but as you receive the love from God and live it out to other people, that's how they're going to see him. They're going to see him in the way that you love them. And that's going to be their experience with God. That's why when Jesus was asked, what's the most important thing? What's the most important commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. John has given us a real simple but real powerful message here. I'm going to close with this thought. To know love, I must love God. I must know God. To know love, I must know God. That's what John's saying. He's saying this is a real simple truth. If I'm going to know love, then I have to know God. And that's what it's all about. So let me just ask you this question. Do you know God? Do you know God? Do you know someone else's idea of him? Someone else, or do you know God? Would you bow your heads with me for just a minute? We're